This is a Rooster Teeth production. February 17th, 1864. The H.L. Hunley makes history as the Confederate ship became the first combat submarine to sink an enemy craft. But after sinking a 1,200-ton Union warship, the Hunley disappeared. What happened to this historic sub that changed the face of naval warfare forever? We find out in today's episode. I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. I'm Brian. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. Gotten some uh, some comments that that intro is cringe. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> so, oh, no. welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah. So, looks like I'm I'm living up to my my millennial roots. I I am cringe and I embrace that just as T Swift told those students at NYU. That is dumb what you just said about T. That's that is stupid. Okay, <laughs> well, cut, cut it, strike it from the record. You posted cringe. Yeah. yeah. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> deeper, deeper, ever deeper. To conquer seas is one thing, but to go below, another. Oh, Hudley, sweet Hudley, who among us can't sympathize with constantly dropping the ball, getting one thing right, and then piecing out forever. <laughs> Perhaps one day, this show will fire off an incredible episode, only to disappear under murky waters, never to be found. Brian, we finally got another Civil War episode Yeah, for buddy. You. Oh, I got the accent, the accent of my forefathers, ready to go, baby. <laughs> it's in your blood. This is great because it is. I don't want to get too into those details, but it definitely <laughs> sure, is. yeah, yeah. This one I love because it's simultaneously a feat of incredible ingenuity and just incredible stupidity. <laughs> it, is, it is redneck engineering, mwah, just at its finest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. All right, well, yeah, let's get into it. Submarines have a long history going back to 1578 when the British mathematician William Bourne drew up plans for a working sub. While his plans have been lost, historians think his sub was probably a modified rowboat coated in greased leather and manned by a team of oarsmen. Have you seen the photos of this? I have not. There's, it's pretty good. Okay. I would not want to go underwater in anything built in 1570. My the, God, Can you no. imagine the smell? Not yeah. only of greased no. leather, but a team of oarsmen yeah. inside it. Disgusting. Well, <laughs> whew, God, yeah. Well, around the year 1620, he used it to dive 15 feet beneath the River Thames during a demonstration. This was witnessed by King James and thousands of onlookers. This is... <laughs> Man, I, I yearn There's for a simpler time. There's got to be a time. way for us to use this technology to murder people. <laughs> yeah. Surely. Yeah, they they figured it out. Well, not first. Oi, governor. I'm, I'm busy rewriting the Bible, right? And then all of a sudden, this ship dove under the water. Unbelievable. I'll be taking my talents to the South Bay. <laughs> beach, beach. Sorry. The article I read on this said it was witnessed by King James and... Quote, thousands of shocked Londoners. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> Screaming, tearing their hair out. <laughs> I, I yearn for a time like this where you could have demonstrations like this, and it brings people for, out from all across the country. Like we were yeah. tagged recently and stuff about the trains, the the, cla the oh, yeah, crash yeah, yeah. at Crush yeah. in Texas. Oh, yeah. 
I just imagine it diving under the water and they're like, what French treachery is this? <laughs> yeah, everyone on board was probably hanged for heresy afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. In the ensuing centuries, various proto-subs were built, including one called the Turtle, during the American mm -hmm. Revolution that was built by inventor and Yale graduate David Bushnell, a Yale man, you say. Mm -hmm. It was a one-man wooden craft that used a hand crank and foot pedal to propel itself. It could approach an enemy ship undetected and use a screw to plant a mine filled with gunpowder. Despite an attempt to do so during the American Revolution, the turtle was never able to do so successfully. Yeah. I, I do... Um, I'll use my turtle. I do also recommend looking this up because it looks really funny and it is kind of just like a hand drill, like a hand crank drill at the top that supposedly would come up under a boat it's, and yes. you just like literally crank the drill and then I guess it somehow attach a mine then. But Which, like, yeah. how could it be watertight? To the boat, I guess. Yeah. How could it ever be wa just taking on gallons of water for every minute yeah. they're underwater? And, well, and it's literally a barrel. And it didn't work. But there was a quote from George Washington, I think, who said it was like to him the most incredible invention of the war. Like he was totally like stunned by it. I mean, it's amazing. But as like a tool to sink ships. Not so much, yeah. but as an engineering feat, yeah, for you know, sure. These, these are the tools. This is the kind of stuff that was available to our forefathers who are still being revered by <laughs> constitutionalists everywhere. It's basically a bike that can go underwater <laughs> safely. Which is so cool. It's I mean, crazy. it's so cool. Yeah. It, it is one of those things, like, I always thought that subs, like, I think of German U-boats in World War One, and I think those were, like, the first subs. It's like, no, they've been working on them for, like, hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. And, and those humble beginnings did bring us to the H.L. Hunley. And that Confederate sub was actually one group's third try at building a submarine. Mm -hmm. The first two were barrels. Yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> a, a lot of trial and error here, needless to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the team that built the Hunley included riverboat captain James McClintock, engineer Baxter Watson, and a lawyer Horace Lawson Hunley, whom it would later be named after. A lawyer, middle name Lawson. Yeah, good. Right? Good, isn't, yeah. That, isn't that a phenomenon where you're named for what you end up doing in life? I don't think it's a phenomenon. I think that's probably why he had that name. I don't think so. Anyway, oh, the son of a lawman. Because he, thing. yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, somewhere down the line, yeah, I'm sure it wasn't his dad, but. I like, I don't think so. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds like BS to me, Charlotte. Uh, let me tell you about the first two attempts at submarines by this particular group. The first submarine, which was called Pioneer, was built in New Orleans in late 1861 and early 1862. It was tested in the Mississippi River in February 1862. It was later taken to Lake Pontchartrain for further testing, but the submarine was scuttled after New Orleans was taken by Union troops. Mm. Mm. Got to scuttle sometimes. Let's get out of here, boys. Take the submarine with you. <laughs> Dragging it along land through a marsh. The Yankees are on our doorstep. Oh, no. The group then moved to the Park and Lions machine shop in Mobile, Alabama, and it was there that their staff built a second submarine, the American Diver, sometimes referred to as the Pioneer 2. And if you think, if the idea of being on a submarine today is claustrophobic to you, <laughs> oh, 
This is a tube where you can't even stand. You are like in a seat, the and you are in a tube that just fits you and a few other people I don't, behind you. I don't in front. love it. It's bad. Like it looks horrible. Not a lot of creature comforts in the, no, in, in no. Civil War subs. Good. There's, there's no bunk. Lord. Oh no. Yeah. Oh real, no. Real rough I do stuff. not. This is yeah. making me feel some kind of way. I have to switch tabs. Okay. Dang. That sucks. <laughs> no thanks. Um, part of their reasoning for making a sub for Warfare was financial. McClintock, Watson, and Hunley were among a group of developers and financiers in Mobile who were promised half of any assets captured with the help of their inventions. Oh, uh, okay. there it is. There okay. it is. Yep. Uh, just privateering stuff all over again. Yeah, yeah. It just repeats endlessly. Uh, and for the Confederacy, subs were potentially very valuable because they needed something to break the Union naval blockades, which effectively had them in a stranglehold. Yeah. Poor submarines kind of being the fodder of the bad guys for a while there. Yeah, they did. They, yeah. had, they had a tough run. <laughs> there's, a sin- there's a sinister nature, I think, to the submarine. Yeah, because you can't see it coming. You can't see it coming. It's like yeah. cheating. It's cheat. That's yeah. what it's snipers cheating. were thought of as a while, like dirty, dirty pool. Yeah, yeah. During the Civil War, Union forces established a blockade of Confederate ports designed to prevent the export of cotton and the smuggling of war material into the Confederacy. So the blockade, although somewhat porous, successfully prevented Confederate access to weapons that the industrialized North could produce for itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the U.S. government successfully convinced foreign governments to view the blockade as a legitimate tool of war. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's so obvious in hindsight, right? I mean, like, it's like... Blockades are very common. What kind of convincing would you need? And the the big fear, I think, on the Union side was the Confederates were constantly lobbying, I think, England and France to, like, intervene right, on right. their behalf. And so that uh, they were constantly, the, the Union was trying to constantly keep them off. And yet there's a famous drawing of the South and there's this big snake around it or something with, like, the Union blockade. So, yeah, if you think about it, the goal was just to choke it off. From from any kind of you know goods getting in, yeah. Call, okay. call tell, sending a telegram to Abraham Lincoln like, "Oi, are these blockades <laughs> a legitimate tool of war? Is they?" <laughs> this means that the Confederacy really needed to break the blockade if it would have any chance of survival. Yeah. Hence their offer to anyone who could build something to break the Union stranglehold. Yes, now it's basically like, please help us. Please help us. <laughs> yeah. Please help us. We want this racism to live on forever. Yes. Through the power of entrepreneurship. <laughs> they said they out they outsourced it to private industry. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yes, there you go. <laughs> well, careful. I don't want to talk about Elon again and upset that listener who may oh, still be listening to possibly, see if they possibly, you uh, made know the right they decision. Are. They're still listening. They definitely are still listening. They definitely are still listening. To power their sub, the group did some experimenting with electromagnetic propulsion, which oh was based God. on a primitive form of battery. No, 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 no. We are we are not even. <laughs> oh my God. We are like a hundred years maybe from the barrel with a screw. Yeah. Now, what if we put a battery inside it? 
Are you talking about electromagnetic propulsion? <laughs> you see, my son here, I opened up the back of his boombox, which he has been using to listen to race records, oh, and I found God. these here 6D batteries, and I wondered, what if this could power a new submarine? Now, I, was pl- I noticed my son had a toy boat that he likes to play with in the above-ground pool we put in the backyard. And when I opened up the toy, I noticed a battery. I was at Dorney Park and I had a small fan spraying air on me. And I thought, what if such a matter of propulsion could propel a submarine? <laughs> it uh, cannot. It, it cannot. Um, they could not make it work. Yeah. Yeah, they couldn't make an engine powerful enough to move the boat through the water. Arguably one of the most important aspects of creating a ship. (laughs) Otherwise you just have an anchor filled with men. (laughs) You would just have a coffin that sinks to the bottom. Oh Lord. Keep the word coffin in mind, dear listener. Mm -hmm. The alternative to the electromagnetic propulsion was to try a system powered with a hand crank. Definitely going back six or seven steps from what they were aiming for. It was a proven strategy, though. It was, yeah. So the second submarine was finished January 1863, but it was too slow and too cumbersome to be of any practical use. Oh, shoot. That's right. The American (laughs) diver, sometimes referred to as Pioneer 2, sank at the mouth of Mobile Bay during a storm in late February 1863 and was not recovered. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... One... That's two, two, two down. Try again. Let's let's see if the charm strikes. Yeah. McClintock's group began not not deterred by this at all. No, no, no. no. We need to make yeah. the third one. So they began construction on their third sub, which would become the Hunley. Soon after the American diver sank, it was made from a recycled iron steam boiler and included space for eight crewmen, one to steer and seven to turn the hand cranks that powered its propeller. Yeah, and this is what I was talking about. It's like a row of seven dudes who are literally in a tube that is just big enough to fit them. Cranking for dear life. Just cranking. And then another guy who's like slightly above them, I guess, uh, steering. Do you think they drew straws for who would steer? Like, I don't know. Just a human centipede of Confederates flying through the water. The mental imagery that conjures. Yeah, so this this tube of of cranking men was called the fish boat or the fish torpedo boat. A, Nothing about it sounds good. Fish boat. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. I yeah, because a, a what fish do you, boat sounds kind of cool, but it does sound kind of cool. And also, it's it's a novelty, right? A, a ship yeah, yeah. that goes under the water. Yeah. The Hunley was almost forty feet in length, with a width of almost four feet, and weighed approximately seven and a half tons. And the sub was privately financed for a total cost of $15,000. Hey, that's As a it should be. That's a nice mid-sized sedan. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a 2018, too. Yeah, I mean, you got to go a few years back. You got to go a few years. Maybe, maybe 16, actually. Yeah, yeah. As a Confederate taxpayer, I don't believe big government should be financing another one of these magic fish boats. <laughs> <laughs> we have to leave that for private industry. <laughs> and so they did. And so, <laughs> and so they did, probably at a sizable human toll. Uh, the submarine was launched into the harbor in Mobile in July 1863, and the crew immediately began testing exercises. And eventually, they were happy with the sub's performance and arranged a demonstration 
for Admiral Franklin Buchanan, the Confederate naval commander in Mobile. On July 31, 1863, a coal barge was towed to the middle of Mobile Bay for the purpose of being a test target for the submarine. Hell yeah. Okay. See, demonstrations like this, why don't we get to see this? I don't know. Well, anyway, the Hunley, which was towing a mine via a long rope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, it does like, make sense. But that idea is so funny. <laughs> well, anyway, the Hunley dove underneath it and dragged the torpedo into the hole of the barge. Yep. Yeah. And um, presumably destroying it because the test was successful. And so... The authorities shipped the sub to Charleston, South Carolina, which was being bombarded daily by the Union fleet. Yeah, so that's right on the coast. That's that's at the, the front, basically, of the action. And you might know, South Carolina was the first to secede, so they were getting uh, really, really blasted. Yeah. So the Hanway arrives in Charleston on August 12th, 1863, and the crew engaged in several training missions with McClintock in command. After authorities were concerned with what they called McClintock's lack of aggressiveness, command was given to Navy Lieutenant John A. Payne, who was previously in command of the ironclad CSS Chikara. What was his lack of aggressiveness in training exercises? Well, McClintock was just a riverboat captain, so yeah. he probably oh. wasn't used to, like, direct combat. <laughs> he started screaming the second that he got underwater. <laughs> the whole time he's like, why don't we... Why don't we take it above water? <laughs> That's where my experience lies. Yeah, yeah. And on a river. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm used to driving pleasure barges down the mighty <laughs> Mississippi. <laughs> he maybe just wanted to hang out. Anyway, he was replaced by Payne. Payne and his crew, none of whom had experience in a submarine, began testing the boat during the day. In his defense, neither did anyone else in the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yes, I, I suppose that's true, except for the people that were part of the previous test. Well, sure. So the Hunley got off to a rough start, uh, to say the least. On August 29th, only after five days of training, Payne accidentally... <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> Payne accidentally engaged the dive planes on the boat while the top hatches were open. Oh my God. Which... <laughs> Which caused the Hunley to flood. Oh, <laughs> Did shit. Did somebody not notice? It's I, not that big of no a ship. <laughs> oh, it gets less funny. Payne and two other crewmen escaped, but the five remaining crew members were stuck in the craft and drowned. Well, yeah. Oh if, you look at, if you look at this thing, it's oh like... Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I knew we never should have replaced that hatch with a screen door. <laughs> Oops. Back up, back up. <laughs> Ooh, this this seems to be a recurring thing with submarines too that we've covered on this show. That yeah, sometimes just the forgetting hatch to close the door. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel like being a submarine crew member is the equivalent back then of being an astronaut today. Like you yeah. know, you're probably not going to make it. You are the test group. Yeah, maybe so. Oh my god. Yeah. So crews recovered the Hanley after several days, and the senior army commander at Charleston, General Pierre Gustave Touton Beauregard. <laughs> Gave command of the craft to Captain Horace Lawson Hunley, who you remember was one of the original investors and developers of the project. Mm. The lawyer. The lawyer. the lawyer. Yeah. Isn't that that joke? What do you call 100 lawyers at the bottom of the sea? Something like that. A start. Uh, yeah, 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 there yeah. it is, right. This was despite the fact that Hunley didn't have much experience in piloting the sub. But he and a volunteer crew from the Parks and Lions shop in Mobile, where the ship was built, 
were named as new crew of the sub. Yeah, just keep rotating through people until they stop killing their whole crew. I think that sounds good. Yeah. I also feel like at this point in the war, we're getting deep into 1863, uh, the Confederacy a little low on manpower. So yeah, let the warrior take take a turn. Yeah, why not? Give it a shot, huh? Yeah, sure, pal. Okay. In October 1863, the second crew began two weeks of training on the submersible. On the morning of October 15th, they made several practice dives near the CSS Indian Chief, which was anchored in the Cooper River. The boat dove under the Indian Chief, but never resurfaced, and everyone, including Hunley, were killed. Oh my god. (laughs) Yep. It happened again, this time with the namesake on board. Good lord. Not, not good. So, okay, I guess the namesake technically wasn't on board yet, because the Confederate Navy recovered the sub several days later, and then it was renamed in Hunley's honor. Oh, okay. So, All right. yeah. These disasters earned the Hunley the nickname the Peripatetic Coffin. Yeah, which is basically like the the moving coffin. Oh, <laughs> the, the, yeah. oh good, 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 good. Okay. Yeah, apt. Mm-hmm. Still, though, the Navy was committed to making it work because things <laughs> were not going well on land. <laughs> no, yeah, they were uh, struggling. Wait, where are we in the conflict exactly, Brian, in the fall of 1863? 61 to 65 is Civil War, right? Yeah, it was bad. It was, I think, I don't know if well, like... Well, probably good for the... For the world and bad for the, for the south. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yes, from the from the Confederates' perspective, uh, the walls were definitely closing in. I don't I don't know if Vicksburg had fallen and it had been like cut in half yet, but uh, the Union was definitely on the move. And I think it, it's kind of like we need a hail mary if we're going to pull this one out. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. When I say bad, I mean, and I'm not putting <laughs> any value judgment on this. <laughs> no, no, I, I got you. <laughs> from the perspective of the story we're telling. Bad. Yes. Yeah. You can say that much. So, guys, I want to talk about one of my favorite places in the world, and that's my backyard. I love the backyard. I like inviting friends over, grilling. I like hanging out with the kids, you know, just like running around playing. And when the evening sets, what I really love is a nice roaring fire. Oh, it's the best. Roasting some s'mores, some marshmallows, getting them just right. And what I really love in my backyard right now is my solo stove. It is the best campfire ever. And what I love about it, it gets rid of the smoke. It's crazy. Like, because the worst part to me about a little campfire is the smoke going everywhere. Then you got to shift around as the wind shifts. So the smoke won't get in your eyes. Your clothes won't smell like smoke. That's not a problem with the solo stove. You get all the benefits of a fire but no smoke. It's the best. My kids love it. We go out there maybe every day and roast some marshmallows. They love it. So if you have a backyard pit, what you need to do, upgrade it with a solo stove. It's the, it's the best. You, you get the flames, you get none of the smoke. It's got stainless steel construction designed to regulate airflow and burn more efficiently. There's so little smoke. You're going to wonder how there's a fire going in there, but there is. And what I love about a fire pit it is the best catalyst to get outside, spend more time with your family and your friends. You light a fire, that's a social event right there. So guys, here's what you gotta do. Right now you can get big discounts on all fire pits during Solo Stove's summer sale and use promo code SHIPHITSTHEFAN at solostove.com for an extra $10 off. That's solostove.com, promo code SHIPHITSTHEFAN 
for $10 off on top of their incredible summer sale discounts. But hurry, the summer sale ends June 23rd. Go to solostove.com and use code SHIPHITSTHEFAN to get an extra $10 off. Guys, let me ask you, what do you look forward to every morning? Is it your coffee, your pet, your dog, maybe the face of somebody you love? Well, Me Undies wants to add to that list. What better way to start your mornings than with your favorite underwear? Not just any underwear, but ridiculously soft undies with ridiculous prints that make picking out underwear actually fun. Me Undies, no joke, the most comfortable pair of underwear I own. It is the best. And let me tell you something, if your underwear is comfortable, the rest of your day is going to go a whole lot better. I love me undies. I've had them for years now. They just feel better than everything else. Me undies, they make the softest fabrics you've ever put on your body. So you can sit on your couch all day or you can go out, just live your comfiest life. Once you try their undies, their socks, their bralettes, loungewear, you will never go back. Choose from a range of limited edition prints and colors. They range from extra small to 4XL. You can sign up for their free to join MeUndies membership. You get a monthly subscription that sends new styles right to your door. Plus, enjoy up to 30% off on virtually everything they make. It's got free shipping and returns on every order, early access to new launches, and exclusive members-only sales. MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off. Great deal. To get 15% off your first order and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash ShipHitsFan. That's MeUndies.com slash ShipHitsFan. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. So the Navy's committed to making it work. The submarine was finally placed under the command of First Lieutenant George E. Dixon of Company A of the 21st Alabama Infantry. He enlisted a new crew who cleaned and refitted the boat, taking out the bodies of the previous crew. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right, should work now. Don't worry about that, guys. It's it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Many of the new crew had served on the Indian Chief, the same ship that had witnessed the submarine sinking. How do you even, no. like, I know you don't, you probably don't have much of a choice, but, like, it seems like just a death sentence. But to watch the previous sentence get carried out. Right. And yeah, then, yeah. And then be next. put on it. Right. Yeah. Oh, I would next. hate to be them. I just assumed, I know they didn't know this back then or they didn't have this word, but I just assume everyone had PTSD back then. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The civil, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. For the Civil War? Yes. Ooh, yeah. Pretty brutal. Pretty brutal. Although, Gettysburg, beautiful place these oh, yeah. days. Yeah. Okay. Antietam as well. Uh, two horrific sites. Anyway, by early December, the new crew began extensive training day and night on the submarine. During this trial period, the sub's weaponry was modified. Now a torpedo was mounted on a forward spar, basically a long pole, rather than a mine towed from behind. How how long is this pole? That it would be like safe for them to just travel with a giant <laughs> torpedo on a stick. <laughs> 
Oh, we'll get into that. Oh, good. Okay, good. We will, we will get into it. It must be so hard to maneuver. I <laughs> like a, I don't know, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the answer is not long enough. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I'm sure it has to be eight, nine feet. <laughs> <laughs> Again, really impressive feat of engineering. Of course. Whenever long poles are involved, you know uh, the result is not going to be good. Right? Yeah. yeah. We should put it in front of the sub. <laughs> okay. Huh. Huh. All right. Uh, that change was done so there would no longer be a danger of the torpedo accidentally drifting into the Hunley during a combat operation and blowing the sub up. What if we did something far more dangerous instead? <laughs> what if we just mounted hundreds of pounds of black powder on front of the submarine? I have a pole. I found a pole over here. I like it. Uh, well, because of the two previous accidents, Beauregard ordered that the vessel operate above the water except when it was preparing to attack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good call. Finally, by the middle of February, six months after her arrival in Charleston, Dixon was ready to fight. On the evening of February 17, 1864, the Hunley left its base on Sullivan's Island and made its way into open waters, looking for a target. Mm. Dixon, who was commanding the sub, most likely selected the USS Housatonic because it was just a couple of miles away from Sullivan's Island. The Housatonic was a sloop of war, which is a warship with a single gun deck, but it carried up to 18 guns. It was massive compared to the Hunley, at 205 feet long and 38 feet wide. After an hour and a half, the submarine reached the Housatonic and began its run at the ship. The officer on the deck spotted the Hunley as she approached and ordered the crew to fire on the submarine with rifled muskets and even a double-barreled shotgun. Okay. Not a lot of range on this, right? On a double-barreled shotgun? No. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> sticking it out of the port. It's 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 basically if someone's in front of you, yeah, they're gonna they're not gonna be around anymore. But like, but if they're three feet away, it's okay. Yeah, right. yeah you're in fine an, in yeah. an iron tube. Yeah, uh, and so those didn't have any effect. The right. shots bounced off the iron hull of the submersible, and the Hunley rammed into the Housatonic with its torpedo, which was basically 135 pounds of gunpowder attached Whoa. to a 16 foot. Pole. No. 16 feet. 16 A 16 feet? foot pole. Less than half the length of the Hunley. Oh my God. That's not enough feet. Well, the torpedo stuck into the side of the Houstonic and the Hunley reversed course. Oh, so it was. Okay. So they did have a way to disengage. Yeah, it. I think it. I think it disengaged. So I don't think it was quite 16 feet, but it wasn't much more than They were pretty close. Pretty close uh, because of what happens next. Okay. Finally, it was time to detonate the torpedo. The crew pulled a thin rope attached to the fuse and the torpedo exploded in the stern of the Housatonic. The explosion might have also ignited some of the 7,000 pounds of gunpowder that were stored on the ship. Oh, my God. Uh, not, (laughs) Not anything to be trifled with. Regardless, the Housatonic had sunk to the bottom in minutes with its masts protruding above the shallow waterline. Good God. Five crewmen on the Union ship were killed. The rest got to lifeboats or were rescued by other blockading ships that came to her aid. Yeah. 
But what about the Hunley? Yeah, what about what it about? went it went back and went on an illustrious career of sinking Union ships. <laughs> yes, it just it destroyed the blockade. I'm sure. Oh, the Hunley, the Hunley. So many thousands of dollars and lives lost. Took five Union soldiers' lives, yes. Yeah. Uh, but it did not return to the base. No. No, yeah. It had sunk with everyone went on, on a board. world tour? No, it sunk with everyone on board. <laughs> oh. Where it laid to rest was a mystery for more than a hundred years. I would have probably looked at the spot where the mast was sticking out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, if you look at it from their perspective, yes, they got five Union crew killed. But then they lost twice as many almost and yes. this ship that had taken years and years and lots of money and and a lot of men they couldn't afford to lose at this point. Right. No, looking at it no. from their perspective. The so death count is near like 20 now, right? Technically, their attack was, I guess, successful. At the end of the day, the Confederacy lost more in this than the <laughs> Union. Right. It was right. something we've seen a lot. Yeah, yeah. It was like a wily coyote invention to kill the roadrunner. <laughs> what do you even do? You're you're in a union ship, you're doing a blockade, whatever, and all of a sudden an iron tube comes out of the water <laughs> with <laughs> a sixteen foot pole with a bomb on the end of it. It's just like, what the hell is what is happening? All you what? have is a double barreled shotgun. Yeah, and you're just shooting at it, I guess, because you don't know what it is. What is all that hooting and hollering coming from underwater? <laughs> woo, woo. Hey, the, the boys had one last ride and ride, did they? Why are there Miller lights floating to the surface? <laughs> well, what is up with all those Confederate flags? They are going to get canceled. <laughs> oh, man. So despite attempts by the Confederacy to retrieve the Hunley, no one could find the ship. And even after the Civil War ended in 1865, there was a ton of interest in the Hunley and what ultimately happened to it. Yeah. We're, we're drawn to failure as a species. Well, especially because it is like, I mean, as much as we were clowning on it, this is an engineering marvel. It's, it, is a, it is a benchmark yeah. in, in, yes. in the development of submersibles. Like, this is truly incredible, regardless of whether or not, you know, it maybe had a place. <laughs> In combat, in naval yeah. combat during this period, you know, whatever. Right. But like, it's still an amazing feat of engineering. Amazing feat in service to a horrible, horrible well, cause. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so many good things have come. Uh, 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 Careful. So, ma so much good American <laughs> innovation has come from. Careful. I was going to say so much American innovation has come directly from defense spending and, oh, and military sure. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. ingenuity. So would be cool if we could separate those a little bit more, but it is what it is, unfortunately. Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> I bet grandpas for a hundred years were interested in the Hunley. Oh my God, yeah. Holy yeah. hell. Yeah, a lot of people were. During the early 20th century, none other than P.T. Barnum offered a reward of $100,000 to anyone who could find the Hunley, and no one ever claimed it, leaving him yeah. to spend all that money on torturing elephants. <laughs> a, a noble cause. Win-win. Yeah. Yeah. But finally, more than 100 years later, in 1970, the underwater archaeologist E. Lee Spence found the site of the Hunley wreck. Wow. I was going to say finally, and E. Lee does some good, but it took me a second to do the <laughs> oh, math okay. to remember Got his it. name. Yeah. Yeah. Spence's book, Treasures of the Confederate Coast, which had a chapter on his discovery of the Hunley and included a map complete with an X showing the wreck's location was published in 1995. 
Wow. Okay, so he found it, but what could he do about it? So he just put an X He knew on where it was. Yes. Yeah, he basically pinpointed it, but he didn't go down there and, and look at it. Right. Okay, yeah. Oh, gotcha. Well, the ship was discovered later that year thanks to an expedition that was a joint effort of the Private National Underwater and Marine Agency, which was led by the best-selling author Clive Cussler. What? <laughs> along with the really? South- <laughs> Yeah, along with yeah. the South Carolina Institute of Archaeology and Anthropology. This is the biggest dad exposition ever. I, I know. Ever. Unbelievable. Ever. Expedition, but you you know what I'm saying. Yeah, just yeah. all the dads in the area got yeah. together. Civil everybody. War buffs, Clive Cussler heads. Yeah, everybody <laughs> tuning attentively on their ham radios to get updates. Oh, yeah. Clive Cussler writes a lot. Of, it's He's like Tom Clancy, but in the yeah. water. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, he's one of those. You'll, any, any Target or like gas station, usually it's on that rack. Airport? Airports. Wrote yeah, yeah. like hundreds of books. Yes. Like Hudson News then. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. Well, in 2000, a team of underwater archaeologists with the assistance of the federal government and the state of South Carolina raised the remains of the Hunley using a barge. The sub was then sent to Clemson University, but the ultimate question still remained. What caused the sub to go down? Well, we can find some clues thanks to the remains of the eight crewmen who were recovered along with the ship. Uh, which makes sense. Where else are they going to go? <laughs> yeah. All were found in their assigned positions on board the vessel, which suggests that there was no panic at the time the boat went down. They also had no signs of skeletal trauma. Oh, okay. Yeah. So recent analysis suggests that the men probably died quickly from internal injuries caused by shockwaves from the explosion of the torpedo. So basically they were like liquefied from the inside the, the second the, the bomb went off. It sounds yeah, yeah. Merciful. I mean, if they're still sitting at their positions, it was quick. That's where they're gonna find me sitting in front of this microphone. <laughs> yeah. With my insights liquefied by an audition recording. Yeah. Podcasting till the very end, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think any big names in circusry are gonna try to find me or whatever. In 2018, researchers reported that the keel blocks, which the crew could release from inside the vessel to allow the sub to resurface quickly in an emergency, had never been released. Maybe because it was the third crew. (laughs) Possibly. And just rushed into the water. Uh, And an examination in 2012 of recovered Hunley artifacts suggests that the submarine was as close as 20 feet to her target when the torpedo exploded. Back her up. Back her up. First course. good. We're good. Four feet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull that cord, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, you weren't kidding. Redneck engineering, indeed. Impressive. Incredible. Of course. Groundbreaking. 20 feet from the explosion. Yeah. The short distance between the torpedo and the vessel, in addition to the signs that the crew died instantaneously, led a team of blast trauma specialists from Duke University to theorize that the Hunley's crew was killed by the blast itself, which could have transmitted pressure waves inside the vessel without damaging its hull. Mm. Insane. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, They conducted research that included scaled experiments with live black powder bombs. It found that the crew was likely killed by the explosion of their own torpedo, which could have caused immediate pulmonary blast trauma. Yep. Just stopping yes. their hearts. Yep. And in 2004, the crew of the Hunley was buried in a public ceremony in Charleston's Magnolia Cemetery next to the other crewmen who had drowned on the submarine some 140 years earlier. Huh, kind of weird. It, a little yeah. weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not, not quite as- weird, uh, fellas. Not quite as prestigious as the graves at uh, Woodlawn Cemetery from the mm-hmm. USS Jeanette. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's, a, that's a quite different tale. More inspiring. But 
Anyway, the restored Hunley is on view at the Warren Lash Conservatory at Clemson, and visitors can see the submarine on weekend tours. Uh, the actual Hunley is preserved and on display in a tank of water, while a replica can be entered by the public. So I was looking at this. It's pretty cool. It is cool. I was looking at this. Yeah, if, if you have pictures of this, too, or pictures from this, much like the Peter Iredale, please send them to Ship Hits Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. We would love to see it. We would love to repost it. Um, we, we love hearing from people that have, that have seen the things we've talked about. I wonder why it has to be in the tank of water. I wonder if it's just like the... Yeah, I don't know why. I wonder it's why. Because it can't breathe on land. <laughs> oh. <laughs> to asking why why the fish are in the water at <laughs> yeah, the aquarium. Yeah. Why are they, take them out. Uh, as for submarines, they would really come into their own at the turn of the 20th century. And, and there were a number of key technologies that helped to make these crafts more feasible, like diesel electric propulsion, which would become the dominant power system and instruments such as the periscope would become standardized. Batteries were used for running underwater and gasoline or diesel engines were used on the surface and to recharge the batteries. Uh, submarine tactics and weapons were refined in the early part of the century and the submarine would have a large, large impact on 20th century warfare and on future subjects of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, I have an honorable mention today. Would you like a foghorn? I would. Okay. <laughs> So I wanted to keep it underwater. <laughs> keep it underwater, because, keep it 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, today's honorable mention is a homemade submarine. Okay. Yeah, that was never even, it never even actually got into the water. Oh. So technically not a shipwreck. But uh, the reason it never got in the water is because it was captured by Spanish authorities before it could actually make its maiden voyage. Oh, and what law? does an inventor break by, by creating a machine that can go underwater? In this case, cocaine trafficking oh. was the law. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, okay. yeah. Sense. Got okay. it. Yeah, yeah, that was oh, the law oh, it broke. Oh, for sure, for sure. No doubt, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so yeah, the sub was intended for use as a drug smuggling vessel, and if successful, it would have been able to transport two metric tons of drugs at a time. <laughs> and probably coke is what I was reading. Yeah. Most, most, what was most likely. So this is, this is in Spain, as I said. Um, this thing is insane. It's about, it's 30 feet. That's nine meters long. It was powered by two 200 horsepower engines. This is uh, two pontoon boat engines, essentially. Like outboard motors, like you would see on a, on a boat. Hell yeah. Yeah. And the whole thing is made out of plywood and fiberglass. Woo! Yep. All right. Yep. They uh, got rednecks in Spain. Too, that's what baby. I'm saying, yeah. You Woo! have you have to look it up. It looks so stupid. Olay! <laughs> the whole thing is baby blue. No, no kidding. There's a Hell ladder. Yeah. There's a ladder hanging off the back of it that kind of just looks like a like a pool ladder. Um, and a a, a little like diving board thing, which I assume was how you would get onto oh it. Oh my but god! It like look at this. Yeah. It's enormous. It's it's big. It's yeah. Um. There are three tiny little portholes on the side as well. So, like <laughs> I mentioned, above ground pools earlier, but this looks like the above ground pool of submarines. <laughs> it really does. It really does. I love this. The the this insane um, solution for drug trafficking. It reminds me of uh, El Chapo's bathtub on the hydraulics. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> to well, lift up. And let me let me just say, submarines are pretty well utilized in international drug trafficking, actually. And there are certain um, groups that have like real submarines. 
yeah. that they use. And it's it's pretty insane. Um, this was not one of those, obviously. <laughs> it's it's I, I can't recommend anymore that you go look this up because it is so funny looking. It looks like something that like that like <laughs> Michael Bluth would have to drive. Like the yeah, stair car. Yeah. Like it's so absurd. Ah, oh, man. So there is a video of Spanish authorities going into it in the inside. You can see the cabin is extremely cramped. It's not even really a cabin. It's kind of like the interior. Remember, this is made to just fit as many, as much tonnage of cocaine as you can into it. So it's just a, a lot of empty space and then a sort of sitting area for whoever's steering it. And the whole steering system, like the controls of the sub are definitely just taken off of a pontoon boat and dropped into this submarine. This looks like something a child would design. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, 100%. Yes. This was like this was like last year they seized it. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, so it's very like recent. Very recent. Wow, yeah. this okay. just happened. And there's been a handful of these. Like, I mean, submarines have been caught before for um, drug smuggling and all that stuff. This was just like the dumbest looking homemade submarine. Yeah, wow. I'm looking at them going into it. This is insane. Yeah. God, the, the noise and the... Oh God! It, it seems extremely unpleasant. It. I feel like it's it's lucky for whoever was supposed to drive this thing that it never <laughs> please, made its maiden please, voyage. Yes. Lord, if you're there, this if you're listening, get me caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll do the time. Um, and on that note, the sub was never intended for long voyages. Um, you know, because everyone inside would have died mm. probably. Mm. Instead, I think the idea was it would go out a ways to sea meet up with a larger boat that had a full shipment or whatever. They'd load it up with drugs, and then the sub could kind of slip back into Spain or wherever undetected. It's in shallow water. It's going through like a creek. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> just looking. What the hell? Um, yeah. Alas, she'd never get the chance. Oh. Did she have a name? No, not that I can I've find. always seen Narco yeah. Submarine. I know. Yeah. yeah. I, I couldn't find a name for it. That's but. a shame. It's begging yeah. for a better name than that. Yeah. yeah I know. Well, <laughs> I was trying to think. I was thinking we could give it, give her a name. You just want to name it the Charlotte. I don't want it. No, I don't want my name on that. We oh. could name it the Patrick. It's a woman. Patricia. Okay, fine. Yeah, the Patricia. It's the Patricia. Yeah. yeah. Patricia. Okay. Patricia. Uh, <laughs> name, name for my mother. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks, everybody. Yeah. Follow us. Ship Hits Pod. Twitter, Instagram. If you have pics of the Hunley, hit us up. In the meantime, really hoping that your bones bleach in these sands. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.